Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, um, we just thank you. Thanks for letting us be here. Thank you for this church. Um, Lord, for the willingness to just kind of make ourselves vulnerable and allow you to show us where we can improve as a church, um, what our part in it is as individuals, um, because we just want to bring you glory. And so we thank you that you give us the ability and the opportunity to do that. Um, Lord, so just guide us this day. Help us to take what we're learning and apply it to us and take it outside of these four walls into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools, into all of our relationships um, so that we can be a light in our world. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for today's message, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm Nick. Some of you guys know me. My wife and I, we run the, the junior, senior high youth ministry here. Uh, we don't really run it. They run us. But, but I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about me uh, so much, and most of you guys know that. I'm here to talk about Jesus, Jesus in case you didn't hear that. Jesus, he, he was a, a man who, who claimed to be God. He lived here for 30 years. I really want us to think about Jesus for a minute, who he was, what he did, and what it means. He, Jesus was a man who lived on this earth. We, our calendar is after him, B.C., A.D., after his death. Uh, atheists, historians, Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, everybody can acknowledge that he lived and died. You, you can't ignore the life of, of Jesus. He said he was, he was from God. He said he was the Son of God. He said he was here to, to save us. He, he taught us about himself. He, he showed us a, a way to live. He laid down a perfect life for us. He, he lived out a perfect life for us and then laid it down on the cross for us, painfully. That, that video is called, he was reciting a poem called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. Unashamed for what Christ has done for them and unashamed to give our lives totally over to him, or back to him, because he gave us life. He, he gave us our life back. He gave us our life. So that's what I'm talking about, unashamed of. And that's, does that video they're talking about, is that the Holy Spirit power, does that describe our lives, or does that describe a supernatural life, one where the Holy Spirit is powering and working through us? Does that describe my life, your life? Does that describe our church? We saw a lot of things in it, and it was some, some maybe some of you guys got done with it, thinking, oh, that was really cool, that was really great, I really liked that. But there were a couple of things he said, nah, that's just not me, that's just, no, no thank you. Um, but if he did a proper job, everything he said was biblical, came right from the Bible. And I think he did pretty good, well, he was reciting, so whoever wrote the poem did pretty good. Um, and we should, we should be able to say that the Bible is is the best way to describe and understand what a Christian is. is. The Bible tells you the, a story from cover to cover about a consistent story, about a God who loves us, a God who, who created us, a God who, who loves us enough to call us out and say, hey, you're missing it, you're going to screw up, you're gonna, this is going to hurt you, this is going to keep you from me. He tells us the standard. He gives us a, he gives us a clear and obvious holy standard. 
For those of you guys here last week, Mr. Bill went kind of laid out the holiness of God for us. And I don't know if you guys were like I am. I was, that was awesome. He shows us that holy standard so clearly. And he shows us we've fallen short because he loves us. And he tells us and it describes the life of Jesus who did come and die for us, who did come and make it so that we could be holy like him. We could have his spirit. Now, I, I don't mean we get, to, we get to go and be gods. I mean we get to be his children, worthy of being his children, and in his presence, to be in his presence, it's a holy presence. So he wipes away that ugly so we can get there. And the way he went about it and what we do to get that sacrifice, it lays all that out, what a Christian looks like. It describes Christians, little Christs, Ridgecrestians. When, when, I go, when you go somewhere and you say, I'm from Ridgecrest, it's like, oh, I know about those Ridgecrest people. There's, there's, a, there's a stigma that follows it. And that's a, a good stigma. There's a stigma that comes along with it. And, uh, and that's, that's how they got named Christians. The, the Christian term first shows up here in Acts. And this is, this is after Jesus lived and then died for us and then, and then rose again and showed himself. So we'll jump to this verse in Acts up here. Um, and so there, he, he rose again. The, the disciples saw him again and like, whoa, they understood who he was, what he was. They, and, and it validated everything he said. So they're running around telling everybody. They're like, hey, guys, look, I have great news. That's why we call it the good news. Um, and, and some people didn't like that. Remember, they killed Jesus. And so they, they started persecuting the believers. And, and a lot of them were scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death. They, they stoned the guy for telling everybody about Jesus. Um, like me, somebody standing here telling you about Jesus, and they, they, they killed him. So they spread. They, they went to different cities, Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch. They preached the word of God, some of them only to Jews, but others went to other cities and preached it to people who, who weren't Jews. So everybody's getting the message. Everybody's hearing it. And then and some of them that went to Antioch, they, they, they started starting a revival if you will. Uh, yeah, a revival where a large number of people started believing and turning to the Lord. And then the church in Jerusalem heard about it and they sent Barnabas. They said, hey, go check this out. And Barnabas went and he's like, whoa, this is really cool. This is so awesome. So he went and found Saul and said, Saul, you got to see this. Come on. And so Saul came over and they saw it. And this was so great. They stayed there within the church at the bottom here. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was here at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. They were called Christians because they were acting like the one they were preaching about. They're like, they're, they act just like that guy they're trying to tell us about. They were called Christians because everything they did showed that they believed it. It was almost as if they believed that what they were claiming was totally true. And their action words and thoughts identified them completely with Christ. This is far beyond doing good deeds. This was a life that resembled the life of Christ. They heard what he said. They took it in, and they lived their lives by it. They devoted their lives to it and to telling other people about it. Now, the book Dion was alluding to that we're all reading as a church, diving in to say, how are we doing this right or wrong, or how do we need to change it just? Because we, we want to know his commands, his orders. We want to know how he lays it out, and we want to follow it as best we can because we love him. And Francis is saying we are not doing that very well as a church and as a church in America, as Christians in America. And he, he, you know, he really might have some ground to stand on because we, we, as a 
just as an example, there's the Methodist Church met this week to decide on the issue of, of same-sex marriage. So the Bible says homosexuality is wrong, just like it says lying is wrong, just like it says murder is wrong. So we all know we shouldn't lie, and we all know we shouldn't murder, and according to the Bible, we also shouldn't embrace, now not... Not, not to the point of not being loving, but we shouldn't embrace homosexuality as if we, just like we don't embrace lying and hating and killing. And so the church was voting on whether or not to, to embrace it as if it wasn't a sin, as if God didn't say not to do it. And they, they got together, they voted on it, and it was like 53%, 47%, half and half. They voted to keep traditional marriage, but here they're trying to decide on God's commands. So... Francis Chan, I think, has some grounds to stand on, and that's why we're diving into this like we are. And that's why we invite you to do it, because God is holy and awesome and amazing, and we don't want to make up our own God and, and be going down some weird path thinking we're doing it right when we're not. So let's start with first just what the Bible says about Christians. The Bible says Christians are loving, humble, powerful, changed, devoted, and desperate for God. Not an all-inclusive list. Just some of the attributes that we should expect to see from Christians. We, we, I think some of you guys are already thinking, well, so let's, let's dive in. Loving. Remember, Jesus showed us all of these attributes. He didn't just say, do this, do this, do this. He lived it out for us for 30 years perfectly. So loving. For this is how he loved the world God gave his one and only son so that whoever believes won't perish but have eternal life. He showed great love for us by sending Christ to die. I told you you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In the same way I've loved you. This is a neat thought. So if I were to tell you guys, bring up that as a hypothetical situation, you're on the sidewalk and you look over and there is a six-year-old in the street and you see a car coming. You know he's going to get hit by it. But you also, I don't know why you know this, but somehow you know that if you go push him out of the way, you're going to die. You know that you will save his life, but, but you will lose yours. So some of you guys would say, yeah, absolutely, I would do that. That's a kid. Of course I would do that. But now... Somebody who just broke into your house. Somebody who just got you fired. Somebody who just started spreading lies about you. Somebody who just did something to you. Now, it's, now that's the person, and you're on the sidewalk, and you see that person. And you know you could save their life by jumping in front, pushing them out, knowing you'll save your life, their life. Or you could just kind of yell at them, hey, hey, get out of the way. Hey, hey, get out of the way. You know, you know Jesus, why we were sinners died for us that that that's the kind of love he showed us a supernatural love so humble humble why should we be humble for one we're not god (laughs) and look what god did he as god didn't didn't think as being god is something to to cling to he gave up his position he gave up his nice awesome comfy recliner in heaven that was that had everything the universal remote he came here 
as a as a baby in a manger. Uh, you guys, nobody, very few of you want to go back through the being a little kid and then uh, then teenage years and all the things that followed. Some of you guys maybe want to go back to being five or six. You get naps, um, but you get naps again when you get older. I right hear, and we haven't gotten there yet. Um, I heard. Okay, it's true. I think. Um, and, so he came and he lived on this earth with the same stuff we live with. He lived around, surrounded with sin. Now, he was perfect, but he lived surrounded with sin. And then he, he, he did it perfectly, okay, which is exhausting, I'm sure. And then he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He said, humbled himself for us. He washed our feet. Then he tells us, if you will... If you who are called by my name will humble themselves, yourself, and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. So he's telling us to be humble. We, we get that. He showed us how to be humble. Now powerful. Powerful. What makes us powerful? Is it us? Is it our own abilities? Is it our own strength? It's not. And that's what we're, he's, he's telling us right right here he said jesus was here and we saw him do great things he said you are going to do greater things than i did greater things than these it's not going to be by your own power because i'm going to leave and you're going to get the holy spirit so i'm going to empower you and it's not going to be by your own greatness it's going to be by you submitting to me and taking my spirit that's where the power comes from so right here it says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. In my name. It's something we have to understand. If, if, we, are, if we are looking to God, submitting to God, desiring his will and his will alone, and we're, we're acting in accordance to what he's got, he's got going on, we have the mind of God. We have, we have submitted our minds to God. And we can follow his will and, and he is in there acting through us. He says, if you love me, obey my commands, and that other advocate is the Holy Spirit who leads to all truth, will come to you. And that spirit he's given us is not a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about, about God. Power, love, and self-discipline. Meek. Meek is, Jesus is described as meek. Power under control kind of neat changed a christian life is changed you know it, it, we're, we're told repeatedly that we need to die to ourselves we often some of us some of people some people will say i've been a christian my whole life never not a christian and and i think we're missing what he's telling us since you have been raised to a new life with christ because you get raised to a new life with christ set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I just, I just had to finish that one. So, you, so we should expect to be changed, to be different. We, we say, well, this is just the way I am. He tells us, it, I come in, and you're changed. So devoted to, desperate for my God, or devoted to Christ, 
desperate for Christ, devoted to God, desperate for God. So all I need to do is, is read this one. This is from David, King David, considered the greatest king. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you, I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting my hands up to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. These last two bits here. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. What is he saying right there? In the shadow of your wings. Under God's wing. When I am under God's wing, I cling to you under your wing. It's not, how do we get to be under God's wing? It's uh, when you say you're, you're blessed, the, the understanding is you're under God's wing. Do you, do you go put you go put yourself under God's wing? That, that's it. You hear what He tells you. This is here are your boundaries. This is what I have set up for you. And you say you either no no that those some of those are okay, but it's not quite it. So I'm going to step out here and do this. And okay, we have He lets us do that. But if we want to be under His wing, we hear Him. And we say, oh okay, there, got it. Now, right here, you got it. I am under your wing, clinging to Him. Are you trying to be on the edges of His wings, kind of like? Uh, uh, there we go. My left foot will stay dry. You know, it's, is that what we're doing? Or are we clinging to him, desperate, devoted for God? Because it is not an easy struggle. Some of you guys here are so devoted and committed, and you struggle. It's hard. And let's face it, if you're like this, you know, it's easy to get knocked over outside of the line. Easy. So, that. Don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you at the high price. So you get to honor him with your body, with your life. He gave it to you. Why wouldn't you throw it back up? So the Christian life, the one we just talked about, it, is that our life? And Christian life isn't one that just tells people every now and then or puts the sticker on the back of your bumper. Um, Christian life is not one where God is your co-pilot. You know, it, it's, uh, did that sound like the Fellowship of the Unashamed? God is my co-pilot, I'm driving. Is, did, that, did that sound like that was what he meant? So do we see what we just described in your life? Do you see it in the Christians around you? Do you see it in, in your church? Do you see it in us? Where... Where, do we, where have we missed it? How do we get this far along with so many people claiming to be Christians, but they certainly weren't acting like it? We went there since 2,000 years from when we saw the, they were first labeled as Christians because they acted and just like the Jesus they were preaching. Well, how do we get there? It, you know, it, it's like we traded God for something else. So what did we trade God for? So this is an easy one. What, what do you make your decisions based on? Do you make your decisions based on what's going to make you happy or others around you happy? Do you make your or do you make your decisions based on what would please God the most, what God would desire? 
So what I'm getting at, you show me your decision-making paradigm. Show me what you base your decisions on, and I will show you what you've traded God for. It really is that, the heart check is almost that easy. And it, it's often different things. Sometimes it's, it's money. Sometimes it's popularity. Sometimes it's fame. Sometimes it's fame and popularity. Uh, some, who knows what it is? Sometimes it's pride. Those are the things we're trading God for. So look at it. What is my decision-making paradigm? Am I always just so focused on God, or do I have a bunch of other things that I have to make sure and keep those okay too as well? So here's an alternative. Here in Psalms 37, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. So this is cool, and you've got to read the next one. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So if we hear... Take delight in God. He will give us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So that's what they're saying. He'll give you your heart's desires. You take delight in God. You will desire exactly what you are meant to do. It's, it's funny. It's like, well, I have to give myself up and give up what I was never meant to do to go and do exactly what I was meant to do, what he built you for. And he'll give you a desire and the power. You know, I, I want to be a professional singer. I cannot be a professional singer. That's not really true. But if I did, I don't have the ability to do that. I, I can't keep a beat or uh, it's ugly. Um, and, so, and so here it is. Our thoughts, they're nothing like God's thoughts. So let's take delight and commit everything we do to him and let him help us. His ways are far beyond anything we could ever imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Why wouldn't we want to be devoted? So here's the alternative. Here in Romans, oh, how great. Oh, right. Sorry. He's right. I'm wrong. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. You know, we, Jesus kind of kind of lets us know here. He says, they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is fake. They teach man-made ideas as commands for God. For you ignore God's laws and substitute your own traditions. You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions. These are the things we start to put in, in the way. You skillfully sidestep God's law. We're not looking to God and, and God first and letting him give us the desires of our hearts. And we come up with reasons for it. We give ourselves excuses. We say, well, I'm going to kind of do it this way, but I'll also, but I'll also kind of follow you, I guess. And then... This part I'll keep, but that part I won't. And we give ourselves good reasons. If I don't speed, I'm going to be late. I'm not going to make it to do whatever you want me to do. And he's saying, guys, come on. You're honoring me with your lips. You're not living it out in your life. Your worship is, you're, you're, you're worshiping man-made ideas as commands from God. 
You substitute your own way of doing things as you skillfully sidestep it. And it's important for us to realize that that's, he's not a big fan of that. He, he says it very clearly. There is a wrong way to do it. And then we're here in Malachi. So you guys see I was way off. I was going straight to Romans. So he says, how I wish you would just shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. Remember we talked about your body, your life being an, a holy sacrifice to God. And we'll, we'll hit it again here in a bit. But he says, just, just, just these worthless sacrifices, just get rid of them. I'm not pleased with that. And I will not accept it. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations. But you dishonor my name with your actions. Are you all familiar with what God's doing in the Middle East right now and all over the world? It is unbelievable. So regardless of, of what we're doing, I mean, there are people all around the world honoring God's name. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You're saying it's all right to defile. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands. Turn up my noses, your noses. Like, oh, let's vote on, on this one. Do we really, let's vote on this one. Does, does God really mean that or not? I mean, we're turning up our noses. That one's kind of too hard in today's world. We're, we need to fit the world a little bit better. We need to fit our, 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 our fellow citizens a little bit better. And so it's too hard to do it his way. Now let's look at the alternative. Now we're in Romans. Look at the alternative. What do we worry about? Let's, let's, let's devote ourselves to God. How great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge? How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Everything comes from him, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And so I plead with you. Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's perfect will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. cool is that so there's that word transform again let god transform you into a new person don't copy the world let god transform you into a new person now we're getting into the christian life being a changed one it's a life that you've come up to the point of no return and left out with no thought of the old self the old self is gone this means that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life is gone. The new life has begun. In case we didn't get it yet, then calling out to join, calling the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, your way, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Take up your cross. They knew what that meant. The crucifixion was well known as people would carry their crosses. Take up your cross. Kill your the old self. Kill that part of you. And, it, you know, 
we get to that point of, of no return. They mentioned that in the video. And are we, are we ready to give up our own way or are we going to hang on to it? So some of you guys know I used to be a skydiving instructor several years and 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 several thousands or a couple of thousand of my jumps maybe one one thousand fifteen hundred i don't know were tandems so i would strap people to me and then we'd go up and get out of the plane and it never failed it, some days you get these people walking up they're like oh yep i'm doing it this is going to be so much fun i'm going to jump out of the plane and i'm going to do a flip or i'm going to touch my toes i'm going to i'm going to stick my tongue out i'm going to say cowabunga i don't know you you get the weird you get all kinds of funny stuff some some of you guys i'm offending right now i'm really sorry because um, you've done that. Uh, I did it too when I went on my first one. But So they, they're all taught, they're, they can't wait, and they're, I'm going to do it. But then they get to the point, and they're like, all right, here we go. And instead of doing exactly what I tell them, they do this on the door. They don't want to go. They decide to stop. That's too hard. I don't want to give up my life. Christianity is so, is so similar to that. You get there, and you're like, no, I don't want to give that part up. I want to hang on to that part. And the people who did go, the people who did jump out, when they got to the ground, their faces were so big and huge. And there was never someone who wasn't terrified. There was never someone who wasn't, wasn't like, oh, no, am I going to? There were maybe one or two, but they were just nut jobs. And there, there, there was never any, so they didn't want to do it. They really, oh, okay, all right. And then they'd go, and, and they loved it. They got down to the ground, they were Oh, that was great. That was awesome. That was neat. But if God has such a strict standard, if he gave us such a, 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 such a holy command that is, that is holy and that we should not break, why did he give us the ability to break it? Why didn't he just make us so that we would never screw it up? Why didn't he just make us to be the perfect little, we'll call it pets, the perfect little pets or slaves who would never, never even want to do anything wrong? Anybody ever thought that, ever asked that? The answer is because he loves us. And, and to explain that answer will take a few minutes. And it's an answer I love to give and love to explain, but I'm not going to do it right now. And this is why. Does it matter why? Does it matter why he didn't do it that way? He's God. He gave us everything we need to see him and to know him. There are things in this world that you just can't explain. How do we have morals? How do we know killing is wrong? How do we, how do we, I mean, a sunset or a sunrise is just, that's one of the things I love looking at. It's not an accident. There's things in this world that I just love to do. I love falling through the air. I don't know why, but it's fun. I like sticking my hand out of the window and, and doing this. I mean, there's just so many. We have been created and put on an earth that, that, that we find, can find so much joy in. And then the creation alone points to them. The, the intricacies, the complexities. We got to do one on science a long time ago, and science proves, shows God. It, so there's no way that we can doubt that he exists. His existence is undeniable for anybody who's willing to take an honest look beyond their own desires, their own selfishness, beyond what it might mean if it's true. It's undeniable. So does it matter? Biblical Christianity is complete devotion to God out of love. 
not complete devotion to follow the rules, then you're just a rule follower, but out of love. Because remember, remember how Jesus loved us. Remember how God loved us. He wants us to love him back. He wants our total devotion out of love. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I refuse to say this is how it always is, but oftentimes it's, it's a step-by-step commitment where you learn to love God. So somebody, so often we'd have some people come to the skydiving place and they would, they'd come for months. You were thinking they're never going to jump. They're looking at the equipment, the gear. They're talking to the instructors. They're going to find out which one they're going to go with. I never took any of those people. Um, and and they, 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 they want to learn about how it works, how you pack it, what's the backup like, who packs the backup. And they ask all these questions and they get to know it and they're kind of like, okay. And then when they get to that point where they're ready to, to go, they have something to go back on. So now if we do that with Jesus, so we, whether it's an emotional commitment, whatever, we make a commitment to Christ, and then we, start, we make a commitment to get to know him. Okay? And then as we get to know him, we get to know what he's done for us. We see the picture. We see the love. We see the, the, the passion, the outright passion God has for us. Read Hosea if you're interested in that. That's fun. But anyway, the outright passion he has for us. And... And we see what he did for us, and now we know God. We're able to love him back. We see the, 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 how deeply troubled he was the night before he paid for our sins. The night before he was crucified, he was praying to God, sweating bullets, saying, take this cup away from me, but if it needs to be done, if it is your will, let it be done. So he, we, see, we get to see the, the struggle he went through. And for us out of love for us and the more you get to know him the easier it is not the easier you can't help but to love him and then you get to that point where you're like i can't believe you did this for me and i can't believe i do things that 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 demanded you do it so that i could be with you but you love me so much you want me to be with you so you did it and and i am here i am dirty filthy the reason you did it and and we hate that, but we love him so much. We're so grateful for what he's done that we have no choice but to fall to our knees because we've seen him, what he does in his love. We won't get it totally, but we'll get it. We'll get it enough. It is so so great. So back to those first called Christians, and we were talking about in Acts. So. These guys, they were just devoted to Christ. They weren't worried about anything around them. They, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So we, we talk about all the cool things that were happening there. This, is, this was their recipe, if you will. They, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so to the Bible. They, they knew the Old Testament. They taught the Old Testament, and they were writing the New Testament. They devoted themselves to it and to fellowship, supporting each other, loving each other. You guys, we are weak. We struggle sometimes, and our brothers and sisters struggle also, but we don't always all struggle at the same time. So we got one supporting us now or somebody loving on us when we need it or somebody saying, hey, have you realized this? And we're like, oh, I did not realize that. They, they help point out our directions and, and help get us going out of love and commitment to Christ. I mean, if you're surrounded by people who are totally devoted to Christ and you're not, it's going to be very easy to see 
and to know and to know where to go. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you maybe you're used to calling it. It's we take a piece of bread that resembles Christ's body, the body of the Son of God that was offered up for us, and and the the purple liquid, whatever it is, juice, wine, I don't know, it, that resembles His blood, the body and the blood that was so required because of our sinfulness. We, we remember what he did. We remember what he took for us. He took the wrath of God for us in that. And we consume his body and his blood. And to prayer. So they devoted themselves to this. And it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. Awe. Like we say things are awesome. A deep sense of awe. God is awesome. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, shared the money of those in need. They worshiped together each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So they devoted themselves to God here in the top. And look what happened. You know, the book we're reading, it talks about how cool those meetings probably were when they were getting together and, and doing this or doing that and, and just fellowshipping and taking the Lord's Supper. And there's some of them were, were talking about like, uh, or just maybe some of the things they got to do that day, some of the punishments maybe they incurred. They were getting whipped and beat up. Remember, they first scattered because they killed Stephen for doing what he was, for sharing Christ. So, so they're going to be talking about, man, they got me and I got like a hundred licks on the back and, and I got to show, I got to tell them Christ though, God was doing really cool things today and they're sharing these stories about these miracles they've seen and performed and they're also realizing, hey, where's Frank? Where's Frank? Oh, Frank, Frank was killed today for sharing the gospel and then they praise God for that. Thank you, God, that your word, you were glorified in that and then Frank is now with you. That is so great. And they're, they're celebrating, knowing that tomorrow it could be them. Because it's true. Because the gospel, what they're teaching, is so true and they're devoted to it and it alone. Are we seeing or experiencing that in our lives, in our church? Are we devoted to experiencing God or are we devoted to our lives or the lives of those around us? How do we bring holy into our lives, devoting our lives to the Holy One, to the Holy Word, to the Lord's Supper, to prayer and to fellowship? The Word of God, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between our souls, our spirits. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And you know why and how it does that? Because it's inspired by God. It teaches us what is true, to realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. For us to sit here and think we can innately do everything right, let's be honest, come on. I do a lot of things without asking for help. I don't innately do anything right. It corrects us. It teaches us. God uses it to prepare and equip us to do, his, to do every good work, to do what he's got in store for us. He puts those desires and the power to do it. Fellowship, seeking out real relationships with Christians, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. The Lord's Supper, remember what he did. 
He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. He gave his life to free us so that we could be his children under his wing. Remember how he did it. He didn't just sit up from heaven and say, oh, gone, you're good. The punishment had to be made. We had, we had committed grievous sins. We just weren't holy. So there had to be something worthy enough to make us holy. When you commit a really big crime, the fine is much higher. So, so God knew it was big. So instead of sitting up high, he said, no, I love you too much. He came down to us, lived with us, suffered for you, for me, because of your sins, because of my sins. And remember why he did it. Because we were sinners and because he loves us. We talked about it earlier. You'd, you'd be willing to maybe die for the, the kid. But your enemy, you might not be so willing to die for. While we were sinners, while we were telling God, no, our way is better, we, as we do our own things, he says, I love you so much, so I will die for you. I will come to you. I will show you myself. I will make a way. And prayer. Devoting ourselves to prayer. We are lifted in prayer. When we settle down, when we check ourselves, when we, when we bask in God's glory, and sometimes just basking in his awesomeness. And and are we following? Are we not? God, what's going on? This is what's going on in my life. Just sharing that with him. Tell him about our lives and our day and putting it putting it to him and also saying, hey, show me where you want me to go next. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what I need to repent from. Show me where I'm offending you. Show me where I'm not obeying you. So what's your church experience like? Do you share in the fellowship of the unashamed? The fellowship of the unashamed, that's what we first showed. You have, do you have Holy Spirit power? Have you jumped over the line of no return? Disciple of the one true king. Have you made a decision? You're not looking back. You're not letting up. You're not slowing down. Your past is redeemed. Your present makes sense. Your future is secure. You live by faith, trusting his presence, and walk in patience. You labor by love and power. You're lifted in prayer. Your pace is set. Your way is fast. Your goal is heaven. The road is narrow. The way is rough. Your mission is clear. Your companions are few, yet God is reliable. You won't back down. You won't hesitate. You won't negotiate with your enemies. You won't work for popularity. You won't give up, let up, and can't shut up until you have stayed up, prayed up, preached up the case, the cause of Jesus Christ. You've been bought with a price, made new through blood, made new through his blood, given great purpose, his purpose, you're the chosen few, kings and priests among us, set apart in, set apart in, but not of this world, light in the darkness, a light calling out. You are unashamed and devoted to Christ. You share in that fellowship. The, the band's going to come up here right now, I think. They're going to start moving, and, and they're going <laughs> to, smooth, wasn't it? Um, they're going to come up and play a couple of songs, but do you share in that fellowship of Jesus Christ? Do you live a life that is natural and worldly and of this world, or is it supernatural? 
Because what is described there is not natural. It is Holy Spirit power. So they're going to play a couple songs, and there's some great songs. They're a great band. Um, put them at the end, because never mind. And so take take a few minutes and reflect. Don't don't worry about your kids upstairs or where you're going or what's going on this afternoon. Take a minute to reflect. Are you are you this? Because he has commanded us to be that. He has commanded us holiness and devotion to him because he will make us holy through his sacrifice. Nothing we can do. We just got to give it to him and devote our lives to him. Is that you? If not, where are you disobeying? If you want to know where I'm disobeying, you come come ask me later. I'll tell you. Um, yeah, just take some minutes to reflect. Are you ready to jump over that line? Are you ready to start learning about where that line is and what it's like? We're here to help. We would love to help. Because we've gone through it. We're going through it. We want you to be a part of it because we love you. I can't explain that and understand it. Some of you guys are really smelly. Um, but, but not anywhere near as smelly as my kids. So, but if we can, we want to. We would love to. It would be a pleasure to watch God be glorified in your lives as well as what we're doing here. That's our, that's our goal. Pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Just that we can have your word, talk about your word, and, and hear what you want us to do. You love us. You, you have redeemed us and, and shown us that you are holy and you tell us what we need. We need you. You've given us these lives, these everything. We give it all back to you. Thank you for showing us how to do that. Amen.